doing a year of living life well, where we're working out what it looks like to live lives that are good, in which we get everything out of the life that we could, uh, living life well. And we're looking at a series of practices that Christians throughout history have used and built into their lives as a way to get to know Jesus more uh, and live flourishing lives. So we've so far looked at building in silence and solitude. I wonder how that's going for you. Great. We've also looked at building prayer into our lives and maybe trying new ways of praying and developing rhythms and patterns that work for us. Uh, well, today we continue with the next, uh, the next practice. And as we get into this, uh, I wonder if you've noticed something interesting about our country. There's a number of th interesting things about our country. But when MPs start, this is an oath that they say. I, Joe Bloggs, do swear that I will well and truly serve Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth in the office of Member of Parliament and so on. So help me God. That's MPs. <coughs> Judges. When they join the judiciary, this is their oath they make. I, Bill Joe Bloggs, doing well for himself, Joe Bloggs, uh, do swear by almighty God that I will well and truly serve our sovereign lady, Queen Elizabeth, in the office of judge. And I will do right to all manner of people after the laws and usages of this realm or colony without fear or favor, affection or ill will. That's judges. And then the police. When the police, somebody joins the police, they say this oath. I, Joe Bloggs of Birmingham, do solemnly and sincerely declare and affirm that I will well and truly serve the Queen and the office in the office of constable with fairness, integrity, diligence, impartiality, and so on and so on and so on. Did you notice a key word there? Service. Whether it be MPs, judges, police, service. We live in a nation in which service is built at its heart. We have the civil service. People go into military service. Have you ever thought, why? Why do we think of it as service? Well, today we begin the next practice that Christians down through history have incorporated into their lives as a way to get to know Jesus and also as a way to help their lives to flourish. And we are thinking for the next few weeks about being people who serve. And so with that in mind, I thought it'd be good for us to pray. And we're going to pray for that group of people that we've just said. For our MPs, we're instructed to do pray for our leaders. Pray for those in the judiciary and pray for our police. So should we stand together? Let's stand. Those who serve us in this way. And I'm going to pray a very simple prayer. That as we think about what it means to be servants, that we would not take for granted those who serve us in our nation. Let's pray. Father, we are aware that we live in a nation that has service right at its root. In which those who lead our nation are seen as being servants of the nation. Father, we thank you for that. Thank you that at its heart is built not lording it over people, 
but servanthood. So Father, we pray for those in leadership over us, in authority over us. We simply pray in trying times that you would be their guide. That they would first and foremost know that they are accountable to the God of the universe. And then they would know something of your amazing grace and service of them as they serve. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Do sit down. So servanthood is right at the heart of our nation. We've always had it. I love this fan, this little cartoon. Another servant in the house this Christmas. A new electric Hoover, brilliant. We're not necessarily sure we would want to be servants, but the idea of service is at its heart. Interestingly, this was from Birmingham, I noticed, if you look right at the bottom, St. Paul's Square. Anyway, anyway, anyway. What's interesting, though, is the question, why? Why is service a foundation for our nation? Because by and large, we think positively about service. And have you ever thought, why? Why don't we live in a land where those in leadership over us think they're gods that can just use their subjects? They may act like that sometimes, but that is not part of our history. Uh, And so I want to just dwell for a moment about something very important that we forget, which is this. The strange and world-changing nature of Christian service. We take for granted the DNA that we have at the fabric of our society. It has not always been like that. And there's a famous example of Jesus washing his disciples' feet. You may remember it in John's Gospel, John chapter 13. He's coming up to his death And as a last sort of act to show them his love, he stoops down and washes his disciples' feet. In a culture with open sewers and muck and corns and dirt and everything, he, the rabbi they've been following, stoops and humbles himself to wash their feet. And he says these words at the end of that little moment. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's. I've set you an example that you should do as I've done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than those who sent him. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. What Jesus is saying is, I am your Lord and teacher, I have served you, go and be servants. You are not to lord it over people. If you like, he did the equivalent of this apron, which I bought my wife Claire a few years ago for a Valentine's Day present. Mr. Romantic me. Says, I like hugs, I like kisses, but most of all, I like help with the dishes. I'll wear this for a moment. What Jesus is simply saying is, you want to know what love looks like? Let me show you. Go and now do it. 
And of course, it's a little foretaste because Jesus is washing them to cleanse them, basically showing in a moment I am going to die where you will be cleansed, where the opportunity to be forgiven for all your sin is made. I am serving you. Go and be my servants. It's a foretaste, if you like, of the cross. And Christians, all of us are called to then serve as a result of the master we follow. We know this, fine, great. But we forget quite how radical that concept was and how it forms the foundation of our society. The church are called to be servants because it was not always this way. Let me just take you on a little sketch of ancient history. Plato, you may know the name Plato. He said this about weaker members in our society. The man who suffers hunger or the like is not the man who deserves pity, but only the virtuous person who experiences such misfortune. There shall be no begging in our state. The land be wholly purged of such a creature. We forget. Emperor Julian, sometimes known as Julian the Apostate, who uh, uh, wanted to destroy all Christians, said this about the early church. The Galileans, he calls them, have devoted themselves to philanthropy. They have their so-called love feasts or hospitality or service of tables, they call it by many names, because they have many ways of carrying it out and the result is that they have led a very many others into their atheism. He calls it atheism because, of course, they had loads of gods and he refers to the earliest Christians, those he wants to wipe out. How dare they show service like this? Hospitality. We get even darker. This is a letter that it was discovered from a Roman soldier in the first century writing to his wife. He's away in war in Alexandria and he writes home to his wife in Rome. Horrible words. Know that I'm still in Alexandria. I ask and beg you to take good care of our baby son and as soon as I receive payment, I shall send it up to you. If you're delivered before I come home, if it's a boy, keep it. If it's a girl, discard it. Let's get a bit more modern for a while. Friedrich Nietzsche. Preventing the sick, making the healthy sick. This ought to be our supreme object in the world. Think again what he's saying. Preventing those who are sick, making the rest of us sick. That should be what we're about. But for this, it is above all essential that the healthy should remain separate from the sick. That they should even guard themselves from the look of the sick that they should not even associate with the sick. The higher must not degrade itself to be the tool of the lower. In case you're not getting the picture, pre-Jesus, the world was not a lovely rosy place. And even without Jesus, we forget where it may end up in the eyes of Nietzsche. The point is, it may be that you're here today and you're not, you wouldn't call yourself a Christian. It's great to have you here. But if you are somebody you don't call yourself a Christian, you live in a society that has at its roots values that you take as normal and as central to your life that are fundamentally Christian values. And one thing we're doing in our society is we want the kingdom without the king. And we forget where they came from. 
Many of our assumptions in this society are founded on the world-changing nature of Christian service. Stooping down to embrace the weakest of all and their welcome round the table. Or maybe you're just beginning your walk with Jesus. Isn't it astonishing to see quite how these ideas have transformed our society? Let me give a contrast to all these views. I don't know if anyone will have ever heard of this woman, Saint Fabiola. What a great name. She modeled something that was fundamentally different. I love this quote. So Jerome, you may have heard, Jerome was one of the early church fathers. He said this about Saint Fabiola. First of all, she founded an infirmary and gathered into it sufferers from the streets, giving their poor bodies worn with sickness and hunger all a nurse's care. How often did she carry on her own shoulders poor filthy wretches tortured by epilepsy? She gave food with her own hand and even when a man was but a breathing corpse, she would moisten his lips with drops of water. I love this phrase. Rome wasn't large enough for her kindness. May it be said of us that Birmingham is not big enough for our kindness. That the way we serve each other because we follow the one who served leads us to do the kind of things where everyone go, wow. Service. The strange, peculiar, world-changing nature of people being willing to stoop and serve those who will give nothing in return. May we not be people who serve only because of fear of the consequences as they did in the Roman Empire or fear of the emperor himself. And why did they do this? Well, because, as one Oxford theologian says, the values of welfare, of care for the widows and orphans, of the support of those who are weak, are in a sense a response to God's grace and a response to God's reaching out to humanity. We were served by the God of eternity. How then can we not stoop and serve anyone and everyone in our society, and in our church. In other words, living a life well leads to action. Spending time with Jesus always results in living like Jesus, serving. All are equal, all are served. And so with that kind of background, there's two very brief points I want to make from the passage that was read to us from Hebrews. They're very brief. Uh, it's pretty obvious, but let's name them. Firstly, this, God sees your service. Let me read again, uh, Hebrews chapter six. Even though we speak like this, dear friends, we are convinced of better things in your case, the things that have to do with salvation. The writer to the Hebrews, no one knows who it is, no one knows who they're writing to, but it's pretty clear that the, the Hebrews that they are writing to were in danger of going way off beam and walking away from the foundations of their faith. And here the writer is saying, don't go there, and actually I'm really encouraged because there's some good things that give me hints that you're not gonna go there. What does he say? God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you've shown him as you helped his people and continue to help them. Do you notice several things about that? 
Firstly, do you notice where the service is directed? God's not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you've shown him as you've helped his people. First and foremost, Christian service starts with us serving each other. Why? Because in an era where they freely just got rid of kids they didn't want and treated everyone like they wanted, it was only a certain social status that were even valued as people, how revolutionary it was to have a community of people who served each other regardless of status, class, age, background, wealth, education. That little microcosm of a community was to be a different community that everyone looked at that and said, wow, see how they love one another. Even the slaves sit and eat with the masters. Even the children are welcomed. What kind of community is it where they serve each other so well? I want in, I want a bit of that. And so Christian service starts at home. Starts with each other, serving each other. And I think the New Testament would say if we're all about just serving beyond the church and not serving at home, as it were, not serving in the church, it's a bit like the parent who's off to work and when gets home expects all the meals to be provided because I'm out working hard all day, don't you know? Christian service starts at home and goes out from there to serve the world. People inside the church community not serving was an anathema. Why? Because we're called to be a little microcosm of a new community that everyone would look at and say, wow, I want some of that. God sees your service. But you notice something else in this verse. It's not just you've helped his people Something astonishing. He will not forget your work and the love you've shown who? Him as you help his people. What the writer is saying, your service of everyone else is serving God, is loving God. I want to say a massive encouragement. I know, can I say something controversial for a moment? I know that there are some people in this room who in like a time of worship where everyone's going for it think to themselves, I'm not like that. I'm just little old me beavering away. I, I'm not as enthusiastic as that. I'm not an I love Jesus kind of person. I don't shout it out from the rooftops. I just want to get on and just give out the outlooks. I just want to get on and just serve behind the scenes. This is a massive encouragement if you're one of those people. Because your service of other people is loving God. He looks at it and says, thank you, wow. In the same way he looks at us, words that when we're praising him and say, I love you, fantastic, wow. Just a real encouragement for those people who are behind the scenes, not jumpy around people. God sees your service and says, well done. Thank you, you're loving me. Keep going. Every week you'll know there are a whole army of people who every week set up, get here 8 a.m., plug in some wires, put the chairs out. Why? To lay out for the service so that we can be served 
But actually, they are doing it, and actually, it's an act of love towards God. And after we go, there will be a team of people who sit down and take things down, and it's an act of love that God sees. Loving people is loving God. Service of people is loving God. So can I encourage those one or two in here who you've been beavering away, no one sees, God sees. And that's the third aspect of this. God sees the things that no one else does. I'm guessing there are people here involved in very sacrificial ways and there are occasional little moments where you think, if only people knew what I did. You're not going to shout it out because you know you shouldn't, but if only people knew the work that went into this. Only people knew how early I got here. Only people knew how often I prayed. If only people knew the stress it wakes, puts me through, or the times I wake up in the middle of the night, or the time where I get up and I have to go and see this person, even though I really want to be at home watching the telly. If only people knew. There's a huge encouragement. God does. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work. <coughs> be encouraged. This morning, there will be people here who lead faithfully a children's group and have done it for years. Sometimes you really don't want to do it. Sometimes you feel like bailing and jacking it all in. God sees that sacrifice. There will be people here who are faithfully serving somebody in the community that nobody else sees. I won't embarrass them, but I know that we heard a lovely story when Robert Lee died Uh, of a member in this uh, congregation here who every week, the same time each week, would visit and care and look after them. Unknown, nobody knew. We only discovered when he died. Whoever you are, whatever way you are serving, God sees and it is loving him. That's good news. May you be encouraged. There are hundreds of ways that many people in this church are serving inside and outside the church every week. God sees. Thank you, he says. Well done. God sees your service. So that's the first thing from this verse. Uh, But there's a second aspect, and it's this. God sees and therefore keep going. Keep going. Do you notice several things from these verses? Because the writer goes on. Verse 11, we want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end so that what you hope for may be fully realized. We don't want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what's been promised. Several things. Do you notice the word diligence? They didn't just say they're doing it. Carry on, do it, put it into practice. And there's just a massive encouragement here. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I would guess there are many people involved in serving in some way who are frankly exhausted, who are drained. And there's just a huge encouragement here. There are good things ahead. Diligence to the very end so that what you hope for may be fully realized. God sees And one day you'll come face to face and he'll say, thank you, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done. Now I want to say here by way of uh, notice that different types of people will respond to this in different ways. There will be some people 
who know that they need to stop serving in some ways. And the risk is you read this and you think, oh boy, I can't do it now. <laughs> I've got to keep going. It's not saying that. There may be right times where you need to say, actually, I've done this for a while and I need to serve in a different way for whatever reasons. But there's also a massive encouragement that for those of us who know that we have capacity to serve and aren't at the moment to really do it, to somehow squeeze it into our schedule because serving people is loving God. It may be that you're in a stage of life now that means you have capacity to serve in a way you didn't used to even two years ago or whatever it might be. So diligence, keep going, keep going. But the second is this. Did you notice something else? Serving people is evidence of something deeper. Diligence to the very end so that what you hope for may be fully realized. Don't want you to become lazy, but to imitate those through faith and patience inherit what has promised. What the writer is saying is, as you serve, it keeps you going in following Jesus. If you want to live life well, if you want to grow as a follower of Jesus, serve Jesus and that helps you to grow in your salvation. It's like a cycle thing. He's not saying your service saves you. No, not at all. But he is saying it's evidence of the fact you are saved. And can I say something with a heavy heart? Uh, and I genuinely don't say this as a way of kind of burdening people, but it's just a reality in our job. Uh, he phrases in the right way. Um, it's not uncommon for people who've been faithfully serving in a particular sphere, whatever it might be, who then step out of that for very sensible reasons, and they seem very logical reasons, but it is the beginning of actually walking away from Jesus. That is not true for everyone. Hear me, hear me, hear me. But actually, my experience is time and time and time again, when people want to back away completely from serving, there's something else going on. Now hear me, that's not saying you shouldn't stop particular areas, far from it. But if we are saying, I don't want to be involved in serving anymore, there's something deeper going on. And the writer for the Hebrews says, it's evidence, keep going. Those through faith and patience inherit what's been promised. Not as a burden, but actually it's a way of growing more like Jesus. Why? Because we follow the master who stooped and served. And as we do so, there's a helpful thing as we come to a close. Do you notice that? But to imitate those who through faith and patience. I want you to think for a moment. Who are your heroes? Who are people you think of when you hear the word servant? We'll all have them. People that we know of that kind of come to our mind that you think, Wow. The writer to Hebrews says, imitate them. What is it about their service? Imitate them. Follow them. I want to tell, talk to you about Paul and Kay Pibworth. Anyone know them? Does that have interest? No? Great. We're on safe ground. Paul and Kay Pibworth were my youth leaders when I was growing up. 
they were some of the most delightful, loving, kind, generous, godly people you would know. They were not young, hip, trendy youth leaders. They were in their retirement stage. <laughs> we used to frankly ridicule them a little bit. Now, being an adult, being a grown-up, <laughs> I look back and I am deeply humbled by their service of us young people for many, many years. You will have your heroes. The writer to the Hebrews says, imitate them. Keep going, keep going. There will be loads of people in this room that are heroes for other people because of the way you serve. May we be a body of people who are known as people who willingly stoop and wash each other's feet, who don't stand up above each other, but are willing to kneel down at each other's feet and say, how can I serve you? Because that's a community that will change the city. That's a community that will be too big for Birmingham because of the kindness. So how do we work this out practically? Uh, well, in a moment, we're going to respond, and we're going to respond in a number of ways, but one of those ways is we're going to pray for you, if for those people in this room who are just tired of serving. There may be some of us who've served for many, many years very faithfully, but actually we're just exhausted. We're going to pray to keep going. It may be right for some to step aside from that particular area, whatever it is, but also there may be others here you know this morning there's been a little sense of God nudging saying, come on, I've got capacity to do this. If that's you, there's a number of specific ways that you can do this. On your way out at the welcome point, there is a sheet. There are a number of things that are very simple, easy ways every week here in church that we can serve each other. You'll be aware, as we've said already, of people setting up and setting down and all of that. On that sheet, there is a whole list of gaps, and it might be that you're someone who you can fit in one morning a month to go on one of those sheets to say, yeah, I, I, I can fit it in. Go for it. There may be others here you know you can't. Fine, be free. Don't feel any sense of burden. But actually, it might be that you know you do to join that team, whatever it is. There's also an opportunity, we've said before, to serve at Riverside House, to serve the church. We're looking for some people to join the reception team, just one block, one morning, one afternoon a week, to join that, to just be on reception, answering phones, welcoming people, and so on. Or it may be that you, you wanna, you've got a bit of space, you want to be able to do it, but you're not under those things. There's also a gap to write your name, and someone will get in touch, and love to, to speak further about what that might be. But there are many other ways that you know that you may be able to serve, and one other practical way is this. Many of you will know Jill Adams. Many of you may know that Jill Adams is very, very seriously ill. And over the next few weeks, uh, she's going to be in going through radiotherapy for a brain tumor. Um, and she basically needs some meals and some transport to those appointments. Her community group are doing astonishing work, but they're at kind of full capacity as well. So if you know that over the next few weeks you could offer a meal to Jill, or some lift of some sort, could you contact either Judy or Kristen Sanders on these email addresses? If you want to take a photo of that, feel free so that you've got it later on. But to say, yeah, I, I think I could do that. <laughs> Why? Because we follow somebody who stoops and serves. Friends, Riverside is a church made up of such servant-hearted people. 
I know in this room right now, there are people who give hour upon hour upon hour in faithful, humble service. And this morning, God says, well done. Keep going. Keep going. 